This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. 7.37am, this is BFM 89.9, I'm Chuang and Sharitz and Abdullah. Now, the disputed region of Kashmir has been the site of great conflict lately. Most recently, yesterday, Pakistan said it shot down two Indian aircraft in its airspace. Now, by way of context, Kashmir is divided into two by a line of control. Both India and Pakistan claim all of Kashmir, but each only controls parts of it. It is at the heart of the decades-long conflict between the two countries. Yeah, this conflict between these two South Asian nations, obviously, they go way back in India and Pakistan have a long history of animosity dating back in uh, separation 1947, but obviously we're not going to go that far back. Uh, Just two weeks ago, a suicide bomber rammed a car into a bus carrying Indian paramilitary police in Kashmir, killing 44 individuals. Uh, Pakistan-based Islamic militant group uh, Jaish-e-Mohammed, JEM as they are known, uh, claimed responsibility for the attack. Now, things have escalated since uh, that week. Uh, Two weeks ago, India launched a airstrike in Pakistan, uh, yeah, in Pakistan side in Kashmir. Yes, so just two days ago, India launched an airstrike on a target in Pakistan's side of Kashmir and this was the most serious escalation um, in hostilities between the two countries in decades and uh, I think yesterday, Pakistan said it shot down two Indian aircrafts inside its airspace and launched strikes on India-controlled Kashmir. So this is Pakistani airspace. Well, other than the fact that we do a lot of business with the Indians in particular to both countries themselves, to India, the Kashmir attack is part of a longer pattern in which Pakistan intelligence has allegedly harboured militant groups that carry out deadly attacks throughout India. And this, of course, happened with, of course, uh, in Delhi and, and so on through the years. To Pakistan, India is an occupying power in Kashmir that seeks to undermine Pakistan's stability. Pakistan denies supporting terrorism but says it gives political and moral support to Kashmiri freedom fighters. So this is a developing story. There's a lot to unpack. So to help us understand what's going on is Ankit Panda, Senior Editor, The Diplomat and geopolitical Geopolitics Writer. Ankit, welcome to BFM. Now, both sides have offered differing accounts of the events. What is ascertained to be fact at this stage? It's difficult to say. Uh, and I think both sides offering different versions of events is simply how these things go. I think the best precedent to look at is probably the 2016 Indian strikes across the line of control. Pakistan then said nothing had happened. India said it had conducted surgical strikes and taken out scores of militants across the line of control. Of course, with what's going on right now at the line of control, this divergent reality between two sides can actually serve as a source of de-escalation pressure, because if both sides are able to convince their populations that they have taken sufficient action to effectively avenge the other strike, then the pressures for escalation come down and we could maybe see an end to this conflict. Ankit, what is the significance of these attacks, uh, including what this means for the respect uh, for the line of control? Well, so the line of control has never been a strict border. It's been porous. It's been tested by both sides. There's exchanges of fire that happen regularly, even during times that we might consider peaceful. There's small arms fire, artillery exchanges, mortar exchanges across the two sides. What these strikes do, I think, is change a bit about what we knew previously is the assumptions about how conventional warfare in South Asia worked under the nuclear overhang. These are both nuclear armed powers. And one of the assumptions was that India's range of maneuver after Pakistan acquired nuclear weapons was limited. Of course, the two sides fought a war in 1999. And in 2002, they came very close to an all-out war again after this very same terrorist group, Jaish-e Mohammed, the one that conducted the February 14th terror attack, attacked India's parliament. 
So these strikes, I think, tell us that uh, the range of maneuver might be greater than it is. And I think that worries Pakistan in particular, which is why we saw Pakistan forced into a position where it had to retaliate and convince the Indians that that was not true. Anki, Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan has called for talks with India, but it's hard to say what happens next. So based on what we know so far, do you think we're likely to see further escalation between the two nuclear powers? I don't know the answer to that. I hope not. Um, I think it really, the decisions now have to be made in India. Escalation is not automatic. Um, the, you know, we're, we are not at the point where we can basically you know, throw our hands up and say that this is now spiraling towards a conflict. Uh, Indian po- political leaders will get to make decisions, and they are meeting today. They are exploring the circumstances of what has happened and determining the best course of action for, uh, for the country ahead. Of course, pressures in India, I think, are growing with the elections in the country, just six to eight months away until the first Indians go to the ballot boxes to cast their votes in one of the largest exercises of democracy in the world, with some 800 million people about to vote. Um, so I think that pressure is very much salient, uh, but one hopes that the government can make these decisions on the basis of national strategy and security-based interests instead of political considerations at the polls. Well, it's an interesting point you brought up at this point in time because um, they can be used as an election um, cornerstone. To what extent have this stand, has this standoff been used by the Narendra Modi government to show uh, its, its, its military might in, in the context of the elections, uh, Ankit? Well, so it's been a very short period of time since the Indian strike so far. Uh, if we go back to the terrorist attack itself on February 14th, the Indian government promised retaliation, and Modi did so himself. So I think everybody knew that India was going to do something. The question was, what would India do? And most analysts that I was speaking to, myself included, did not really assume that India would go as far as to conduct airstrikes on Pakistani territory, which seemed really escalatory because there is a tacit understanding between India and Pakistan, especially since both countries acquired nuclear weapons, that the use of air power is especially dangerous and especially escalatory. Um, the domestic politics of this, I think, right now, uh, the factor that's unfortunately playing a really big role is uh, social media and more conventional media in India, which uh, India has one of the most vibrant democratic landscapes for uh, media, for television networks uh, especially. Uh, But what that means is that you do have a lot of really popular um, channels presenting the news that do so in a very nationalistic way, um, congratulating the prime minister and the armed forces for this strike and calling for further action. You see journalists doing this, and it really feeds into wave after wave of nationalist fervor in the country. So I think that is also a really dangerous dynamic here. And this actually is the first time uh, we have a major military crisis between India and Pakistan. The last one was in 2002, like I said. So this is the first time we have a major military crisis in the social media era. Good stuff, Ankit. Thanks so much for your time. Ankit Panda, senior editor at The Diplomat. Now, how this affects Malaysia is actually quite germane, gentlemen and lady, because um, both head honchos of both countries, both Imran Khan of Pakistan and Narendra Modi of India, have both visited and held talks with uh, Tun Mahathir since the May elections and across Pakistan as a Malay. Majority, uh, Muslim majority country and India's uh, Hindu majority uh, country. So, what happens and what, 
uh, occurs and develops along those two countries has a huge bearing on Malaysia, not to mention even the offtake of palm oil from our part of the world. And uh, also just looking into the uh, individuals, both uh, the uh, Imran Khan and also Narendra Modi. Now, Imran Khan was just elected as, as prime minister last year. So again, he's still fresh on his seat. And I, th- I think there is uh, a, a challenge for him as to how he deals with affairs as such as this. And also now the in- prime minister of India, again, he's coming into an election and also with regards to just the, you know, what happened two weeks ago uh, on the attack. So again, this this could also pins down to, yes, those two individuals. Yeah, but both countries are also important trade partners with us, especially since uh, Europe, this, their current stance on palm oil production. So yeah, I mean, uh, definitely something that we have to keep a close eye on. We're going to be coming back in a couple more minutes with the local business news. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.